Let's pray. Father, before we read your word, our scripture reading, our sermon passage for today, we ask again you would give us ears to hear, hearts and minds to understand. And not just not just a knowledge, but as we as we mentioned last week in, in the sermon, we wisdom, wisdom to apply this knowledge to our lives and the difference it makes to know that you are God who knows all. Nothing is hidden from you. Lord, give us understanding, we pray. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm of David. I won't sing it for you. We don't know the tune. When we get to heaven, though, we'll have David to show us, to teach us. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say... Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be night to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. If I said to you, I haven't seen you on a coon's age. How long is that? Yeah. If I said I'm going to do something as quick as a wink, how fast is that? If I told my kids to do something and they moved at a snail's pace, how fast or how slow are they going? And if I say I wouldn't do that for all the tea in China, well, how much tea are we talking about? If you're like me, you probably don't know the answer to these questions, right? But God does. God knows these things. What's a coon's age? I had to look it up, of course. It's about 13 years. So it really hasn't been that long. It's only been a week. God knows a wink is one-third of a second. How much tea is there in China? 
I looked it up online. Last year, 3.18 million metric tons. And the speeding snail moves at the rate of 10 feet an hour. Watching that would be as exciting as watching grass grow, which it does at the rate of 15 one-hundredths of an inch a day. God knows all these things. In fact, God knows, God knows everything. Everything that could be known, God knows. And that's one of his attributes, one of his qualities. And you may know it as a quality called omniscience. Our word science comes from a Latin word that means, that means knowledge. And the Latin word omni, the prefix omni, means all or everything. So God is omniscience. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. God has all knowledge. In Psalm 139, we have a glimpse into this. We didn't read the entire psalm. I encourage you to do that today. But what David the psalmist writes here is incredible. This morning, I want us to consider how vast and how perfect, how perfect is this omniscience of God. We want to see how encompassing, how penetrating, how specific and absolute is God's knowledge. Then having considered it, I want us to be encouraged by what it means for us as his people for our lives. And we need to realize it's, it's good for us to know this. It's good for us to know this. And we need to understand that God knows us better than we know ourselves. So let's develop this some more by looking at some specifics. What does God know? He knows everything. He knows everything perfectly. God knows when I sit and when I stand. He knows when I'm out on a trip or when I'm at home. Even before I say something, God knows what's going to come out before I do. <laughs> we know what it's like to be talking and we blurt out something. Then we might regret it a little or more than a little. Usually we speak without thinking or we're in a rush. And something comes out and that can be dangerous. But God knows. Consider these verses. Psalm 147 verse 4. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Isaiah the prophet, chapter 40. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. I remember as a kid we'd be out in the subdivisions playing after school. And then the moms would come out and start calling us to come home for dinner. So Annie Smith would yell, Robbie, Gary, Greg. And Mrs. Runyon would call her little Jimmy. And you could hear her from anywhere. <laughs> and then our mom, she would call for Joey and Mikey. Dad's home, come home for dinner, right? And that's what God does. He's a creator. The scriptures tell us he calls, he calls each star by name. They tell us we know about 60,000 different words. We don't, we don't use them all. Do you know how many stars there are? Billions and billions. There are a countless number of stars. And it says the Lord Almighty calls them each by name. Here's a picture, if we can get that up, of the Milky Way galaxy. Can you find that slide? There it is. It used to be the Hubble telescope. Now they have this new space telescope, the Webb telescope. 
amazing pictures. I don't know how they do it. They tell us we have 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone. And of course, that's, that's one galaxy among countless others. It's amazing. I love science. I love science. We shouldn't see science as the enemy of religion. To me, science shows us the awesomeness of God. From the vastness of the creation, right, the created universe, down to the most minute detail, down to the atomic level. If science is knowledge and God is omniscience, omniscient, then he's the master scientist because he has all knowledge. And this concept is stated throughout the Bible. Job says that God is, is perfect in knowledge. Job 37, 6. In the New Testament, the Apostle John states that he knows everything. If God wanted to tell us the number of grains of sand on the earth or the number of stars in existence, he wouldn't have to count them. He wouldn't even have to think about it as if he had to you know, remember it or, or recall it to mind. He doesn't Google himself like some super search engine. Rather, he knows all things at once. All facts, all knowledge, all truth, they're fully present in his consciousness. God doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't reason. He doesn't conclude, discover, or calculate. God doesn't learn anything new, and he doesn't forget. That would be helpful sometimes, right? Because, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm patting myself. Let's see, here's my keys, here's my wallet, here's my phone. Right? Got to make sure I haven't forgotten anything. God doesn't forget. So not only does God know everything perfectly, He perfectly knows the past, the present, and the future. Now, the past we can deal with, right? That's, that's history. We even study history, so it's you know, like God's this, this great historian. In the present, we can grasp because things are happening. It's like God's got all the TV stations in the world in front of him, so he knows what's happening right now. But, but the future, come on. Well, Isaiah 46, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. In talking about prayer, Jesus said, your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Remember what David said in Psalm 139? Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. And in verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days. The day of our birth and the day of our death. The danger here is falling into a fatalism. Fatalism. And that's the idea that, well, you know, if, for Christians, then if, if God's ordained these things, if he knows what's going to happen, then, then it doesn't matter, right? Why, why should we try? It doesn't matter what we do. But nothing could, nothing could be more wrong. The Bible and life show us the opposite is true because we make very real choices in life and our choices have consequences. Many years ago, I spent some time working with the youth. And I tried to teach them same, this same truth. And I, I used the phrase, 
Every, desti- every decision leads to a destination, right? Every decision we make in life takes us somewhere. And then we would illustrate it from the Bible and from life. It's, it's like when you're going to take a trip, right? In the old days, we, we pulled out a road map. Now we, we can Google it, right? We can look it up. You know, there's different ways to get here from my home in Gaylord, <laughs> But you don't want to take a shortcut through Florida or California, do you? That's not how it works. But we all know what it's like to make the wrong turn or to miss your turn. Because if that happens, then you're going the, the wrong way. You're going in the wrong way. And I, that's when you've got to pull out your roadmap or your phone and get back on track. And I, I, I hope you have this, this map. You know, someone came up with this. They said the word Bible stands for basic instruction before leaving earth. That's, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. Our choices in life are real. They determine our direction. If you don't believe that, make some bad choices. I mean it. Make some bad choices. See where it takes you. Soon your life will be going in the wrong direction. And you're going to realize it could take a long time. It could take years to to get back to where you were before. In some cases, you may never be able to get back there because life is that hard. God knows. God knows any future, any potential future. He knows anything that could happen. Let me give you an example. During his life here on earth, Jesus went around, right, teaching the people and, and doing miracles. And we tend to think something like this. Boy, they, they had it made back then. You know, if, if I could have seen Jesus, if I could have heard his words, if I could have seen him do miracles, my faith would be perfect, right? I, nothing would stop me. But look with me in a passage of Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 20. Jesus says this, the scriptures say this, Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. What are you, Chorazin? What are you, Bethsaida? If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, It will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. You see the comparison here? Jesus did miracles in, in the good Jewish cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And how many miracles? Most of them. <laughs> Most of the miracles he did were in this area. But people would not believe. And it's even more amazing because Capernaum is where he lived. He moved there as an adult. But here's the point. Jesus makes it clear if these miracles had been performed in the wicked Gentile cities of Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. That's like Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. They would have repented. 
And this, this isn't just a figure of speech or an exaggeration. If these same miracles were performed in these pagan Gentile cities, people would have repented. You see, Jesus, he's God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He also has omniscience. He's aware of any possible future or combination of events. We make real choices in life. God is aware of this, and he knows what they will lead to. How do we explain this? The answer is easy. God's different from us. He's not the same as we are. Remember Isaiah the prophet? I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. Then later on Isaiah says for the Lord, As as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts in your thoughts. In Psalm 139, verse 6, David says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And back in Isaiah 40, Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? You know, it's not like God is the ten smartest people that ever lived combined with a supercomputer. We can't even begin to scratch this because God is so far beyond us. Only he, only he is this way. So let's pause, catch our breath. Where are we at? God knows everything perfectly, and he perfectly knows the past, the present, and the future. Some of you might be thinking, Joe, why are you telling us this? Well, this is, this is orthodox theology. All Protestant, all Orthodox, Bible-believing Protestant and Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, this is their belief without reservation. We just don't think about it very much or what it means for us. But I have, I have one more concept here, and this is what we're going to run with for the rest of our time. And this is probably going to blow your mind because I'm going to make it personal. God perfectly knows everything about every person, past, present, and future. God perfectly knows everything about me and about you also. Now where you're at with it. Some of you are probably starting to think this way from what I said earlier. Psalm 139, verse 4. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. Consider these, Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And Job said... He views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. You mean God saw what I did? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You mean God knows about what's going on in my life right now? Yes, he does. He knows what really happened 59 years ago this month. Who really shot President John F. Kennedy? I I go with the 
traditional story. But there are conspiracy theorists who think it's someone else in Oswald. He knows what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Huh? Huh? Or should I say where he's buried? Yeah. And so keep in mind, it's not just what we do, but our hearts, our thoughts, and our attitudes. Again, the first four verses of Psalm 139 O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Now it's pretty personal. God knows about every aspect of our lives. Is anyone getting uncomfortable yet? Yeah. Hold on. We're not done. In Hebrews 4.13, when it says everything is uncovered and laid bare, the word uncovered is, is actually the word for naked. We're totally naked before God. We cannot hide anything. Remember that little incident with Adam and Eve when they ate the fruit? They realized what? They were naked. And not just physically naked, but they tried to cover up. And the idea here is not just the physical, but the spiritual. When it comes to sin, we're in trouble. Psalm 90, verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Jesus said in Luke 12, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. We're exposed. And everything we do, say, think, all of it. How many of you know the old saying, you can fool some of the people all the time, you can fool all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all the time. Guess what? You can never, ever fool God at any time. Now, if we stopped here... We think omniscience is the doctrine of God to make us feel bad, right? To make us be miserable. If God knows everything I've said, done, and thought, then I'm in trouble. How many times have you ever thought, I hope so-and-so doesn't find out? Boy, I hope my, hope my wife doesn't find out about that speeding ticket. <laughs> hope the boss doesn't find out what I did the other day at work. Think of when you were little and you were in the house playing. And you're not supposed to play with the ball in the house. And you broke your mom's little, little figurine or a little piece of china or something. I, this isn't me. Someone else told me this story. And guess, what did your little brother or sister say? I'm going to tell mom. Yeah, I'm going to tell mom. You know, you, you put it back together. You hoped... You hope the parents would notice, but boy, that little brother or sister, they were trouble. But we need to realize this is a good thing in regards to our relationship with God. In God's mercy and grace, we've been given everything we need through Jesus Christ. There's a verse I want to consider before we, before we move on. It's 1 John 4.18. John writes, there's no fear in love. No fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
Perfect love drives out fear. When we consider, when we understand the Father's love for us as his children, and as we, as we grow in this love, it can make an incredible difference in our lives. This, this idea of omniscience, it, it, it's not just meant to make us feel bad, or to frighten us or scare us, or cause us to worry. Maybe a little bit. Because we don't want to start thinking we can get away with stuff before God. But it's supposed to give us a greater understanding and appreciation of our God. We need to realize the extent of his love, what it means to be his child. And there should not be any kind of fear like this in our lives. It's this unhealthy fear that makes us look at this in the wrong way. That's what sin does, right? Sin causes, causes us to look at things in the wrong way. But if we come to our Heavenly Father through love, then we can begin to grasp what the idea of God's omniscience means. On one occasion, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. If, if God knows about small, insignificant birds like sparrows, cheap and useless, right? Two for a penny then what about us? Why, God even knows the number of hairs on our head, and every time we brush now, we might lose a few. And what does the last verse say? It says, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. We're worth more. We're loved more than those sparrows. God perfectly knows everything about us, so there should not be any fear. We need to be in his will. This is so personal Because it means nothing can affect my relationship with him. Nothing can endanger his commitment to me as his child. Because he loves me perfectly. There's no skeleton in the closet that anyone can reveal to him. Do do you know that phrase, skeleton in the closet? means there's something in your life, something in your past that you've tried to put away, tried to hide. But if it were brought out, it would bring shame. But as God's people, there's no such thing. No one can bring a surprise accusation against us. There's no sin I've committed or can't commit in the future God won't know about. We need to make good choices. We need to follow the biblical roadmap. We have to realize God agreed to adopt us as his children despite all the junk and baggage in our lives. So in Romans 5, it says this, starting in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if... When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Now, what what two ways are we described here? What two ways are we described? Look at it for a second. First, it says we're sinners, but Jesus died for us. And second, we're called God's enemies. Wow. But we have been reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ. And now, 
reconciled, how much more shall we be saved through his life? This is what mercy and grace are all about. This is fantastic. Some of my favorite verses, I have a lot of favorite verses, are from Romans 8. And the Apostle Paul says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in our creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God knows. And Paul tells us nothing can separate us from his love. Not only does God know, God can back it up. He's not just all talk. He's also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And we cannot leave out the doctrine of his omnipresence. He is present everywhere. These are also seen in Psalm 139, but those are different messages. There's a familiar storyline you come across once in a while in, in books or TV shows or movies where a person wants a new start in life, and so they, they make a clean break from their past. They made bad choices. Maybe they got in jail. They committed crimes. So they move away. They move far away. They want to build a new life. Oftentimes they get married. They have children. They've turned everything around from the way it used to be from them. And then one day, someone from their past shows up and threatens to reveal the skeletons in the closet. And blackmail is involved. Then crimes are committed. And then Sherlock, CSA, CSI, or Matlock figure it all out. Yeah. Well, guess what? This can never happen between God and us. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows the worse than ugly. As his children, he accepts us, and nothing can separate us from his love. One more idea. A spin-off of that, and it's going to be pretty tough for some of you. It's tough for me. God, who knows us so well, will never put us in a situation we can't handle. God, who knows everything about you, about me, will never allow us to experience something that we can't deal with in life. I... I don't know your stories. You don't know my story, right? My life. The things, things my wife and I face. Children. Jobs. Right? Life itself. You all have stories. But consider these words from 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Paul writes, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What does it say about God here? He's faithful. He'll not let us be tested, be tempted, be put in a situation we cannot bear. It may mean our plans don't work out as we thought. It may mean you're stretched to the absolute breaking point. But in the end, you will be able to endure and persevere through it and realize the truth that its will for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. So you might be thinking, 
Well, God's got a better opinion of me than I do of myself. That's true. God knows you perfectly. God knows you better than you know yourself. He'll not ask you to face anything that you're not capable. But God doesn't live next door to my neighbor. God still knows your neighbor. (laughs) But God doesn't understand what's happening to my child. God knows. My marriage, my job, my future. God knows. And God loves you. And God knows you perfectly. And he knows you better than you know yourself. Let me pray. Father, the doctrines of Scripture are not just dry application. It's not just knowledge. But we need the the application, the wisdom to apply it to our lives. And to understand the fact that you know, you know. You know the trials. You know the burdens. The heartache. The suffering. That each of us face. But help us to know you're there and you care for us and you'll go with us through these. And Lord, as your people, we need we need to help one another. We need to be in prayer for one another. We need to make a difference. Lord, help us know your perfect love that will drive out fear and that can bring healing. And we do look forward to the day when we will We will be gathered with you for eternity. In that place will there be no more suffering or crying or death or pain. But in the meantime, be with us as we live here in a hurting and broken world, we pray. Through our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand as